1988, a newly qualified clinical psychologist working with children and parents with learning disabilities, Sue McGaw had noticed a gap in how they were treating vulnerable families. And I was asked by the courts on one particular case to carry out a parenting assessment on two parents who had a nine-month-old baby in their care. And their remaining four children, all under the age of six years, being taken into care due to unintentional neglect. And the um, baby's development was delayed, but there did seem to be a strong emotional attachment between the parents and their children. So these parents were described as lacking basic parenting skills, also as poorly motivated and reluctant to engage with support services. And the father was antagonistic towards um, services and threatened social worker on one occasion with an air rifle because he was very anxious and felt very threatened. And after testing, I found that both parents had learning disabilities. Their IQs were in the sort of 60s range and um, neither of them could read or write and their level of comprehension was poor. So when they were receiving instructions or asked questions, they didn't necessarily take on board what was being said and both of them appear quite depressed. So um, the professional assessments and reports that were, had been carried out with them failed to pick up the complexities and, and the vulnerabilities of these parents. And apart from their learning disabilities, they both had very poor skills and both parents had traumatic childhood histories. So family support had been limited. I looked at that. And there was no clarity as to the parents' capacity to change or improve, um, given the appropriate teaching and support. So the court gave me six weeks to provide a teaching programme for the parents, which I did with the help of the psychology assistant and the health visitor. And uh, both parents responded really well to the programme. Um, the baby's development moved on and the little girl remained with her family until adulthood. So in 1988, around the same time, I founded the Special Parenting Service in Cornwall, uh, specifically for parents with learning disabilities. I started a PhD to work out um, what were the most appropriate sort of um, teaching models for very vulnerable um, parents such as these. And I was looking at tools and services which would help professionals to find a better way to help these parents. In 1998, Sue went on to create the PAMS assessment tool for professionals to use with parents with learning difficulties. St Michael's uses PAMS tools with our parents at residential assessment centres. We've had a long working relationship with Sue. This is part of our mini podcast series about working with parents with learning difficulties. In this episode, we find out more about the difference a PAMS assessment can make to parents and hear about some of the challenges COVID has presented. I wondered whether it was unusual back in 1988 for a judge to ask a clinical psychologist to do extra work with parents with learning difficulties. No, it wasn't normal at all. I mean, the fact that um, I had carried out an assessment, some of those were psychometric assessments as well, but I could see that the parents had special needs. Uh, other professionals hadn't recognised that. Um, I felt also, because I was a trained portage teacher, that if you look at the skills that they need to acquire and you break that down into something we call a task analysis and you intensify that one-to-one -one teaching with the parents, sometimes two or three times a week, 
um, that they can usually pick up on it. But that hadn't been tested. The capacity for them to move on, to learn, to understand what that's all about hadn't been recognised by other professionals. So it was almost by default that they're having their children taken away. They weren't, the parenting wasn't at a level that was acceptable. At the same time, they people tend to do more of the same if they're anxious. They don't know any better, so they'll keep repeating what they know already, which may not be appropriate. So trying to come in with something different is really important. And when I went back to the courts, I had shown from the data really, because I was measuring everything, that they had that capacity. And um, it did make a difference, but they still lost their other four children. So it's very sad. Yeah, it is. It is sad. Um, it's good that people um, are getting more of an opportunity now. I don't know, do you... Next, I asked her exactly what a PAMS assessment is. It's an evidence-based parenting tool which covers 31 parenting domains or parenting areas. Uh, and it looks at the needs of parents and their children from 0 to 19 years of age. Um, it works uh, specifically on the knowledge skills practice model, which, which checks out what parents understand about each parenting domain and whether they can carry out each parenting skill um, to at least an adequate level and whether they can apply this parenting skill uh, in practice. So, for example, one skill is whether parents are able to use medicines appropriately. And so what we'd first um, start to do is check whether in fact they could read the um, instructions on a prescription or a medicine um, bottle or packet. And then using PAMS, we check their understanding of when or how to use the medicines using our knowledge cartoons. And then we check out what they actually do in practice within the home by using our parent booklet and through observations in the home. So um, once a PAMS assessment has been com completed, we usually work on three or four skills at a time with the parents, which we measure using a PAMS capacity assessment. And that results, um, the, resu the results of that are graphed and shared with the parents at every um, stage of the uh, capacity assessment. So um, when, would, when would a professional start using a PAMS? Is it just for during assessment or can it be used before, like a residential assessment like we run or can it be used before then? Um, you can use uh, a PAMS when a mother is pregnant. You can look at whether she has um, life skills that will help her to run the home, look after the baby, look after the children, her expectations about parenting. Um, or you can use um, the PAMS once the baby has arrived or the children are around and looking at how she manages on an everyday basis or him. Um, and you can use it later on if parents are not coping very well and uh, professionals need to step in and help them support them and help and perhaps teach them some skills and at every stage of parenting you could actually use it are there parents that pams wouldn't be able to help um well that's a difficult question to answer <laughs> sorry <laughs> but what i can say really from my experience of working with um, thousands of parents with learning disabilities that it does work for the majority of parents with uh, learning disabilities 
And one of the reasons for this is that the tools were developed and piloted on the preferences and the abilities of vulnerable parents that I was working with and across the county and elsewhere, which I'm sure has helped them to accept um, this assessment. But even so, I do, I do understand that PAMS may not work for every parent with a learning disability, um, especially when the situation isn't right for them. So in my experience, I found that um, parents are much more likely to engage in a PAMS assessment if they're referred for an assessment at what we call levels one and two. So at these levels, families will be receiving services such as home-based um, input or support or centre-based programme, a, a rolling programme of um, groups, etc. when there are no or minimal parenting concerns. So parents are electing to join these groups themselves or they're asking for help within the home. But if they're referred for an assessment of what we call levels three and four, when there are safeguarding issues or care proceedings in progress, then naturally these parents are going to be guarded and anxious and sometimes unwilling to engage. Um, the other factor that influences whether parents engage with PAMS or any other parenting assessment we found is that um, sometimes parents are overwhelmed with life stresses and such as historical childhood abuse or neglect or mental health issues or poor housing or a large family that they're trying to um, parent. And they just find it so difficult to engage in a PAMS assessment because they have conflicting pressures and needs on them at that time. Do you think things have got more difficult for, uh, more difficult for parents with learning difficulties in terms, I mean, in terms of accessing that early support that you're talking about um, than when you started? Well, it's, it's difficult because I haven't got um, a national overview of this, but um, from what I read, what I hear, I do think generally since I first um, started working with parents in 1988, I think we've come a long way um, since the beginning of my career when babies were being removed from their mothers following their birth on the basis of just an IQ of the, of the parents. Um, and thankfully that doesn't happen now. I think the rights of parents with learning disabilities to be able to parent is well established in legislation and and they are making their experiences and wishes and needs known through organisations such as working together with Parents Network and Change and MemCap and other organisations such as yours, St Michael's Fellowship, who are doing commendable work. Um, but I do think that the future is really um, improving gradually for them, um, although better outcomes are very dependent upon the availability and flexibility of resources and funding to help those organisations work proactively with parents with learning disabilities. So it's coming back to your question, mm. getting in there early is really important. I also think that they need a range of support, as I said before, from home-based to centre-based programmes that are rolling and they can join them as and when they see fit and they want to do it, um, to residential support to suit their short-term and sometimes long-term needs because they materialise at different stages of parenting. So I think we need that flexibility. I know from my research, my work, that working proactively um, is really important. Parents that have been involved with our services over the years, they tend to stick with the support that they're getting from us. 
because they trust us, they don't feel threatened by um, possible safeguarding issues. Um, and I've even had one parent who I've known for about 25 years now, who was involved with us when she had two of her children removed. And later on, when her daughter um, was a teenager, she referred her daughter to our service because she trusted the service. And so that's working proactively, really. Mm. We need more of that. How many people have done your PAMS training? <laughs> that's a difficult one, but we reckon about 7,000 people have gone through PAMS training over the years. And of course, it has changed a weeny bit since um, it was first released in 1998. Um, but uh, we're on our fourth version now. So, um, and, and between all the versions, we've had lots of updates, which we have to, we have to put through because of the changing situation around government guidelines and parenting practices. But there's a lot and it doesn't seem to be reducing, it seems to be increasing. So I, I yeah, it's good. Yeah, because um, um, Hannah was telling me that um, that um, your PAMS is sort of one of the only recognised um, tools. Like often judges will um, tell local authorities that they want the parent to have a PAMS assessment. Um, how does how does that make you feel? Well, I'm incredibly proud of it. Um, but I don't think we can be complacent. I think all the time we need to be trying to improve what we've got there and, and responding to um, changing patterns. Um, the uh, needs of parents are changing all the time, but as I said, government guideline keeps changing. So for example, in the last year, we've had to change our training a lot. I've had to rewrite a lot of the training because of COVID mm. and the pandemic. And the question has always been in the last 12 months, can we actually deliver PAMS remotely? And I, I guess it's um, a question that other parenting organisations have had to face as well. So uh, we now introduce all of that within our PAMS um, online training, which we run three mornings a week um, to air the, um, the issues and, um, and give the positives and give some guidance as to the areas that we think are much more difficult to um, apply the PAMS in, such as observations. If we're not in the home, if agencies aren't going into the home, how do we grade, how do we assess what's actually happening on a day-to-day -day basis in the home? So how so, do you? <laughs> how, we, how do you? <laughs> well, there have been some very creative um, suggestions made by different agencies about it. But uh, basically what we're suggesting is that um, the knowledge cartoons, the um, parent booklet can be administered to some degree if there's some, if one of the professionals with, within the home, outside the home, outside the room, guiding the parents, handing over the, the tools. And then um, they communicate via their telephone or WhatsApp um, computer link so that the assessor is asking the question still to with the parent there. Um, we have had situations where there have been friends and family helping the parent in the background, which doesn't really work and it's not telling us a great deal. Um, so trying to to uh, gain um, 
information that is typical of the parenting is what we're, we're needing here. We, we don't need anyone to pretend that they know when they don't actually um, know what they're doing. And the, the, the positive side of that is if PAMS finds that there are holes in some of the parenting skills or their knowledge and understanding, we see that as a springboard to intervention, you know, a way to go in and, and try and help them. It, it shouldn't be seen as a negative, it should be seen as giving us information to move things forward in the teaching programme. So observations difficult in with remote uh, assessments. I'm not sure there's a perfect answer to it. And I just say there as well, because um, because of our training and I got trainers who qualify social workers who are doing who are the trainers and they're, they're feeding back all sorts of different scenarios to me. So we get some overview of what's going on nationally. Um, that, that that varies. You know, there are some agencies, social services, social care, who are not going into the home, and others are very much doing that. Um, so, and some residential um, units like yours and agencies who are still admitting families, and others are not. So it varies. I wondered whether Sue thought that parents with learning difficulties are sometimes held to a higher standard than other parents. Um, it's very difficult sitting on the guidelines, isn't it, to make a judgment about somebody else's parenting. I've got three children, I can tell you I was learning on the job. <laughs> I think most people are first time round. The PAMS actually looks at what is adequate in parenting. It's not asking or trying to guide professionals to look at excellent or really good parenting, although that's a bonus if it happens. It's about what is adequate for those children. So we're looking at the parents' functioning, all the areas of work, all the areas of their functioning that we need to check out, um, their mental health, their physical health, their relationships and support, their histories, the environment and community in which they live. And we're also at the same time within PAMS, looking at the actual hands-on parenting going on around the children. And what we're looking at is basic stuff here in terms of uh, do they receive three meals a day at the age of three or four or plus um, are they looking clean and tidy do, do they look as though they're having a wash or a bath on a regular basis are they kept warm or cool in the, at the right times um, what about their attachment to their parents it's basic stuff here and that's why with PAMS we're looking at it the same skill from a number of different perspectives all the time. So we're, we're checking that knowledge of the parents. What do you understand about feeding children uh, three meals a day? Um, to do they actually do that really well? That's the quality of their skill. So how do they do it? You know, is it a balanced diet? Do they provide enough food? Uh, do they sit down to eat the food? And then the frequency so do they do that every day or is it just once a week? And that's what PAMS is. It's based on the knowledge and understanding of the parents, the quality of the skills and the frequency of their practice. And we're looking at adequate. Shouldn't be necessarily excellent. That would be a bonus. And it will come up in the PAMS. It will come up as really good if it, if it is excellent. But where those gaps are, then we can address it. So I'm not sure who is judging parents at such a high level that in fact most parents couldn't reach it 
ours is coming from a different perspective, which is what is adequate for the children, and do they do they make that? Do they um, do they respond in terms of giving what the children need? Uh, by asking you, um, you know, uh, what your hopes are um, for the future um, for PAMS and working with parents with learning difficulties. Well, um, I, as I said before, I just hope that we can provide better service for parents with learning um, disabilities. I hope we get more funding to enable the agencies, professionals to do that. I would love PAMS to be part of the basic training for all professionals so that it's just a tool. You know, it's a tool that they can rely on to gather information about families coming their way. Um, and if we had more funding, and I know that's, you know, <laughs> uh, an area that we can't control, um, I would like more proactive services and one that are flexible and they offer a whole range of services for very vulnerable families. That was me talking to Sue McGaw, a retired clinical psychologist who created the PAMS toolkit. The next episode of the mini-series will be with the wonderful Nadine Tilbury, a former lawyer turned policy officer who runs the Working Together with Parents Network. Here at St Michael's we give children the best start in life by working directly with their parents. If you'd like some more information you can check out our website and the links in the bio. It's stmichaelsfellowship.org.uk. Thank you for listening.